play part of this guy's song. I had to play the whole thing because it's worth it. Here we come, y'all. Here we go. Let's bring it down. Let's bring it down. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. It is my honor and pleasure to welcome you to the Jamal Show protest. Once again, welcome to the Jamal Show protest. This, this is your notice. It sounds like a radio talk show, but it's really a protest on air. And this is an on-air protest, the first one that I've ever done. My name is Jamal. I'm your host from Harlem and now out of Hartford. And what a tumultuous two weeks it has been, hasn't it? A lot has gone on. If I was my father's age, I'm sure it would feel like it was the 60s. And I would feel a little motivated. I got to be honest with you. I feel a little motivated this morning. Since I was last with you two weeks ago, a lot has happened. A man named George Floyd was killed in a very egregious manner. And for the past two weeks, there have been protests in the streets and all over the world about the manner of his death. Protests in America, the United Kingdom, Iran, South Korea, not North Korea, Syria, Lebanon, China, all over the world, people have been protesting about police brutality and inequality in general, which doesn't only flourish in the justice system, people, but everywhere in America and beyond. But I got to tell you that I feel motivated this morning. I do. I feel motivated by the fact that these protests have been attended by a very diverse array of American citizens, young and old, rich and poor, Blacks and a whole lot of whites. Thank the good Lord for that. And I mean that because whites are still the majority in this country. Ain't much going to be done fast without a good amount of white people signing on to it. You can hate that or you can love it. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. Numbers mean something in a democracy. So when you see a lot of white people at your protest, that's a good thing. In America, that means that something is about to change. When a lot of white people show up at your protest, that means that your drink is about to tip over. And I must admit that I must be old. I'm, I'm admitting my age because I don't remember whites protesting in favor of black people this much ever. It's been, it's been gratifying. It's almost as if this new generation doesn't want to shoulder the burden of this legacy of racism that their parents have handed down. These young whites do not support the comedy of stand-up comedian Trump. They appear to see white privilege as a burden and not a privilege. So I am motivated by that. Ten years ago, Black Lives Matter was treated much like a renegade group. Now Taylor Swift is on board. Also, corporations have gotten involved. Some of the biggest corporations in the world uh, have stepped up to support black people in this endeavor. That, that is definitely a first for them not to be worried about the majority not buying their products.
Last week, I even saw a message in support of Black Lives Matter on Amazon.com. Now, additionally, Amazon has stopped buying or stopped supplying face recognition software to the police for the whole. Uh, who has agreed to appear on this show. Senator Richard Blumenthal has agreed to appear on this show sometime in the future. We are greatly looking forward to his visit. The protest I attended yesterday was very white, again, including me. There were two other black males that I could count in the whole crowd. Uh, and there were three black male police officers standing there. So it was really interesting. I'm sure they were all too gratified to hear chants like defund the police. Right in front of the cops, right? These, this was ballsy. They're walking through a very rich neighborhood chanting defund the police right in the face of the police officers. Which brings us to a transition in my story, because this broadcast today is very much about the police. Uh, defund the police. Defund la policia. That is the theme of today's broadcast, and we will come back to this theme. You shouldn't wonder why this is the theme today. Surely you've heard the calls. Mayor Muriel, Muriel Bowser, I always have trouble with her name, Muriel Bowser of Washington, D.C., commissioned artwork depicting the words Black Lives Matter on the street down the block from the White House. The artwork is two blocks long. They commissioned artists, added the words defund the police next to the words Black Lives Matter. They didn't ask for that, but he added that. In New York City, Los Angeles, and Minnesota, there are actual movements in government to defund the police. We definitely have a lot to get to on this broadcast, but before I get deeper, I have a few household chores to take care of, as always, every two weeks. I very much thank you for being us with us, because it, you know if it's Saturday, it is the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent, live and on your favorite podcasting network. My name is Jamal, I'm your host from Harlem, coming straight through the Hartford, Connecticut studios of WKND, and this is an on-air protest, baby. Let me tell you, the revolution will not be televised. It will be broadcast on live radio and then turned into a podcast that you can find on Spotify. Now, no protest goes down well. No protest can go down well without the presence of a spiritual leader. That leader is here with me. His name is the Bishop. And without his spiritual leadership, we wouldn't know when this on-air protest would end. So, hello, Bishop. If you know Jamal, then you know we are Facebook living while we're on, uh, on the air here at WKND. But the sound is best by using the TuneIn app for your phone. That's what my friends tell me anyway. Just look for WKND on 14, 1480 AM. You will be impressed with the sound quality, I promise you. Now, it's been two weeks since you and I have last been together. Two weeks ago, I had a conversation with you about intent. That was a good conversation. I got a lot of downloads. I intend to repeat the same performance that I did two weeks ago. And I won't need law enforcement on my back to accomplish this. I promise you. So how will I pull it off? How I always do it. You can say it with me. By scheming and planning on how to get you all more intelligent. And it's not easy. Pimping knowledge is not easy. Pimping knowledge ain't easy. It comes very, very difficult. It, it keeps me up all night on Fridays. And not from good loving. But here I am, your chief information addict. And my goal is to pass on the fruits of my addiction right through to you power listeners. That's the goal of this broadcast. We run every two weeks, which is more than enough time for to let news happen. And uh, we always need friends to please, so please like the Jamal Show on Facebook. 
We need we need you and you need us too. You just don't know it yet. Speaking of friends, for the first time, I am very proud to open some Jamal Show listener email. Let me say that again. For the very first time, I am very proud to open some Jamal Show listener email. Hiya. This broadcast is still relatively new. It's only in its second season. So we are just getting to hit some real milestones here. And these milestones require us to have a segment dedicated to listener interaction. In what way, you ask? Well, first of all, we're very close to our first thousand downloads of our podcast. That's great news. I never imagined being successful at this. And secondly, we have our first viewer email. This comes from Mr. Clayton Wheatley and his life partner, Terry. The email refers to a statement I made two weeks ago saying that the coronavirus is here for good. So as a result, I have stopped doing coronavirus stay-at-home specials. Clayton and Terry want to know how I know that the coronavirus is here to stay. They wrote that even the Black Death stopped being active at some point. My answer to this, well, I don't know. Clayton and Terry, I have no idea. I don't think anybody really knows how long this virus will be active. But because it's so contagious, I was assuming the worst. But maybe it'll be short-lived. Maybe we'll get a vaccine. All we can do at this point is hope for the best. But it doesn't seem to be going anywhere this year. So we should at least be prepared for it to hang around in the short term. That's my answer. Thanks to Clayton and Terry for being loyal to my show listeners. There is a gift in the mail to them from us, and I hope they enjoy it. Excuse me. That's the coronavirus. You too can feel free to drop me a line at the Jamal Show Radio gmail.com. That didn't come out right. Drop me a line at Jamal Show Radio at gmail.com. And if it's a good line, I will read it on the air like I just did. Really quickly, I also need to say hello to a new listener, Dr. Mike Silvino. I see his wife looking right now. Dr. Mike Silvino, I hear he is a real life Army War Hero. Army War Hero. Boy, you, you wonder if I do this all the time. And he is a coronavirus survivor. So I am very honored to have his ears. Dr. Mike is an emergency room doctor in New Jersey. And so again, I am surrounded by great men. Once again, he served his country on the battlefield. And now he sacrifices his ears for his country by listening to the Jamal show without complaint. Dr. Mike has yet to call the cops on me. He has not. So thank you for your service, sir. I thank all of our listeners, and I realize that just because you listen doesn't mean you agree with everything I say. So I want to make that very clear. It may serve you well to know that I am an attorney. I actually see one of my law school uh, classmates watching right now on Facebook Live, so he knows I'm an attorney. I want to tell a story about him, but I'll wait till he goes for that. <laughs> uh, I'm an attorney. If you need my services or if you need to reach us for any other reason, you can drop us the ransom note at jamalshowradio at gmail.com. And I'm sending yet another shout out to the Connecticut Criminal Defense Lawyers Association, of which I am a proud member. So let me make that very clear. I remind you that this broadcast will soon be up on every podcast network, every one of them. I won't name them anymore. Everybody has their favorite. I have my two favorite podcast networks. That would be iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. I am on both, so that feels good. It would really be nice if you were kind enough to leave a review for this podcast. Not many people have done that. Hey, we could use that would be awesome. And follow it. Don't just listen to it. Follow it. Because it gets better with time. I promise you that. I know the I know the host personally. Definitely you should get the Jamal So Skill featured on Amazon Alexa. 
So you all, all you have to do is say, Alexa, open the Jamal Show. You can find directions on how to do that on top of the Jamal Show Facebook page. So I'm, make, I'm making everything, look, this is called preparation. I'm making everything available to you. All you have to do is reach out, baby. Another big announcement. The Jamal Show store, well, I shouldn't say it that way. The Jamal store is now open. At this store, you can share the experience of the Jamal Show with us. I did say this before, but I'll say it again. This show has expenses, including an actual payroll, and that's fine. Nobody's complaining here. None of you guys begged us to be on the air, and we are willing hostages here. Please check out the JamalStore.com. It is a place that we of the Jamal Show ask for your support, and you get something back in return from us, and it's vintage. Nobody else will have anything like it. It's a legitimate way to share this experience with each other, and it's not, all, it's not against the law at all. We don't have to worry about the cops on this. In fact, on this show, on this show, the cops will have to worry about us. Because the theme of this show is defund the police. Defund la policia. That's defund the police, not this radio station. We don't want this radio station defunded because of anything I said. So these are my views, not the views of this station. In fact, this station would probably be more comfortable if I didn't say anything at all. So please don't attribute anything I say to them. Before they kick me up out of here. So that's what I have for my introduction, folks. You know what I'm about to say, and you can say it with me. That's my introduction, and if you don't like it, you can't send it back. But if you wish to complain, we do take direct phone calls live on the air. I'll say this really quickly because I don't want any complaints. 860-218-2173. 860-218-2173. I invite you to make us prove that theory that we do answer phone calls. You do not need an invitation. Defund the police, people. We're about to take a break, and I want to play something for you really, really special. Especially for the God-fearing people here. Hello, Kareem. How you doing? Um, I got contacted two weeks ago by a listener in North Carolina. A beautiful woman who told me that she had a piece of music that she wanted me to hear. She sent me this CD called Pray by a man named Pastor Garcia L. Mormon. Garcia L. Mormon as in the Mormon people, as in Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Mormon. Just in case you're wondering, well, A and not a, 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 not a O, so Mormon in that way. Let me tell you, this guy can sing, not sing, sing. I heard the first song, this is his rendition of Lift Every Voice and Sing. It's just beautiful. And I never got past the first song on the CD. So I called this woman up. I'll mention her name sometime later. She's probably listening right now. I called this woman up, or I texted her, and I said, do you personally know this singer? I need to know because I want, I want, I want his permission to play this beautiful song on my, on my radio show. And uh, she did. She said, this singer's my brother, my blood brother. I thought this news was fantastic. I'm like, I can actually get in contact with this man with this golden voice. Um, I know I'd, I'd, I'd be able to play this great song for you, my listeners. I thought it was fantastic until she told me that he passed away from cancer in 2017. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy the late pastor, Garcia L. Mormon. I dedicate his own song to him. It's going to go on for like five minutes. This song is very fitting for today. This will move your spirit, people. That's what I'm here for. I'm sorry, but I must play all of this. It's just fantastic. 
And why don't you do me a favor and meet me on the other side? How about that, huh? Through our sacrifice, we'll be able to achieve the American dream. This will be the day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, and almighty, we are free at last. Stop. 
One more for a minute 45 seconds left. Myself singing, or when I sing in the shower, in my mind I sound like that. That's the way I'm, I sound in my mind. I always want to sound like that. Very, very manly and uh, gracious. And that man with the beautiful voice is no longer with us. Sad to say. And even though I never got to meet him, my heart hurts for his family. He sounds like a great, great talent. Rest in power, Pastor Norman, Mormon. I'll be playing that again in the future. Meanwhile, it's my pleasure to have you back with us on the Jamal Show on WKND and on podcast, hosted by me, Jamal from Harlem. Attorney, dragon slayer, drinker of Republican tears, man who needs a new car, son of Judge Deborah and Dr. Carson. Welcome to my public therapy session. Thanks for hanging with me. The theme of today is defund the police. First, I would like to differentiate the terms police and law enforcement. Nobody likes to be policed, but most people believe in rational enforcement of the law. So I am specifically addressing police on this. Law enforcement can include many forms, but policing can only mean one thing. It brings one idea to mind and most people don't like it, especially not me. I remember the day I started thinking about cops as police and not law enforcement per se, my grandmother's house in New York City was uh, burglarized. She lived in New York City housing projects. I grew, in New I grew up in New York City housing projects. She was robbed of a new video cassette recorder years ago. I must have been like 19 or something like that. Many people listening don't know what a video cassette recorder is, uh, better known as a VCR, but it will suffice for me to say that it was a brand new, brand new, technological uh, advancement, a way to watch the same movie over and over again at home. Absolutely groundbreaking at the time. 
I called police and said, you know me, I already had a list of suspects. Had a list of suspects. The equipment was worth $300 around. And I wanted the police to investigate. I wanted them to dust for fingerprints and stuff and raid some houses. I had a list of suspects, people, but they didn't do any of that. They came by the house many hours later and they just asked me questions about my activities in the street. That's right, they investigated me for calling them for what I now know was a very, very minor incident. I can only believe they did that in order to discourage me from ever calling them again. I knew that if I were a wealthy man, then they would feel the need to protect me instead of distance themselves from me. I'm not going to tell you that those were abusive cops. They weren't. I'm not going to say that they were bad cops. They weren't. But I also cannot say that they were particularly good cops. And it matters what I think. It matters what citizens think. Because cops are first and foremost the face of government. I was just discussing this with the Uber driver that brought me to the station this morning. She was like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Some are good, some are bad, whatever. No, no. They're the face of government. So if I'm bad to you, that's one thing. If a cop is bad to you, that's the government being bad to you. There's constitutional issues every time you come into contact with a cop. We pay them to be more responsible than gangs and criminal organizations. They are not the face of government, gangs and criminal organizations. We do not expect gangs and criminal organizations to be responsible, but cops must be. If we do not trust our cops, we cannot possibly trust our government because our government manages the cops. If this trust is able to fester as it has, then calls will naturally rise to defund the police. Defunding the police, is, is it makes sense at a time when they cannot be managed by government. Law enforcement can stay, but we must find another way. What exactly does it mean to defund the police? Well, I'm going to save that for a little bit later. I pray we have enough time for that. It's 1031 now. You may be wondering what credentials I have to talk about such a subject with authority. Well, let's just say I know the system very well from being abused by it, as millions of other people have been Traditionally, the have-nots, the people that don't have very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been arrested many times in my life, and not because I was ever a criminal. I'm not a totally innocent man, but I don't believe anybody is. Almost all the cases that I've been involved in were, were thrown out of court for frivolous reasons. I even won a award in class action lawsuit for harassment that police put me through when I was growing up in New York City. After they strip searched me illegally with thousands of other New York City residents. You know, uh, I had to go fight that. And I got a small settlement that I used for law school. Having grown up in New York City housing projects, I've always found myself a target for law enforcement. Who are frequently trying to fill a quota for arrest. Something that should be unconstitutional. These nonsensical arrests for things like trespassing, possessing an open can of beer possession of marijuana, and missing anger management classes. These issues created a very hard hill for me to climb when it came to my, maintaining my own financial stability over the years. And so, so goes the story of many black men in America. As for me, if it wasn't for a strong family, I would have never have made it to where I am today. You wouldn't even know who I am. So many people 
are not blessed with a strong family to start off with. A safety net, so to speak. My credentials also include a dead uncle. My uncle, police officer Irving Wright, was shot multiple times in the back by New York City police officers way back in 1973. If you look up his memorial webpage on the NYPD website, it says that his gun went off accidentally as he chased a suspect down the street, so he was mistaken for the criminals he was chasing. And, and his fellow officers shot him multiple times in the back. That's what their story is. That's their story. And it's an old situation that I may have an update for soon because I'm looking into it a little more now that I'm a little older. But back to this theme, defund the police. That's the outcome of the protest that we've been, we've been seeing all over the world over the past two weeks. And as of now, the protests see, they, they show no signs of letting up. So, but wait, Jamal, he said, there have been many protests in the past about this. This has happened many, many times. And it's happened with no measurable positive outcomes as a result. Some of us can remember the protests in 1992 over the Rodney King beating. That was the first beating that I remember being caught live on videotape. Some of us remember the Ferguson protests and the, and the riots uh, in 2014. I remember that particularly because I went to Ferguson at the time. Trayvon Martin's murder by George Zimmerman spurred protests and riots in Florida. This has happened time and time again. There's actually a group of black mothers with children killed by police officers that meets every year. Little can be said of the good that came out of these earlier uprisings. Of course we can name some things. The Ferguson Police Department was revealed to be corrupt. Surprise, surprise. That DOJ report about the Ferguson Police Department, that's still up on the web right now. I wonder if anybody besides me has bothered to read it. It details rampant corruption at the hands of a police department and at the, the expense of the black people in the neighborhood. All to get more money from poor people. They don't go after the rich people for this money. They harass poor people for this money. Fines, excess taxes, uh, all types of uh, penalties. Oh, you don't come to court, you go to jail. Then you got to pay bail. That's what the Ferguson Police Department was doing. They're not the only ones. By the way, the Justice Department sounds... Uh, if you listen to the way the Justice Department sounds now, there is no systemic problem with racism. As for Rodney King, the feds stepped in on the Rodney King event, and I believe that was the first time the feds ever prosecuted a police officer for brutality. At least that's what I remember. There might have been one before my time. The Department of Justice forced consent decrees on various police departments around the U.S. They did this to better look over the activities of these departments as it relates to minority treatment. This shows you that the feds knew that there was a systemic problem in U.S. law enforcement with race. But still, there has been no lasting positive change. Law enforcement still has been heavy-handed with minorities, particularly black men. Philando Castile still happened. Breonna Taylor still happened. Sandra Bland still happened. Eric Garner still happened. I could fill up a whole hour of this show naming names of issue of, 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 of black people that were murdered in the streets unnecessarily 
by police officers, by the people they pay. And, and let, let me get really honest with you for a minute. I've never understood why white people seem to think they're immune to police brutality. White people get killed by cops all the time. I had to leave a little pregnant pause after that so it can sink in. White people get killed by the cops all the time. One of the worst cases I've ever seen, when I first got involved or, or even paid attention to police brutality, one of the worst cases I've ever seen was the case of Kelly Thomas, a homeless, mentally ill white man who was beat to death by six cops while he called out for his dad. That video is up. You can look for it. It's one of the saddest things I ever heard in my life. First time I ever heard a grown man call for his parent while he's being killed. Those six cops all got, got acquitted in California. They did it just because they didn't like him. He wasn't threatening them. He was a mentally ill guy in the corner. These cops were all acquitted, if I remember correctly. Kelly Thomas's dad has indicated that he needs constant psychiatric help after hearing that tape. He says when he closes his eyes, he hears his son calling for him. To this day. So this is a class issue. And there are plenty of poor white people who are beat and killed by cops unnecessarily every year. It happens a lot more than you would think. I actually have family members on this same topic that have told me they wish the Black Panthers were around again. What we have found throughout history is that change takes tenacity. Let's look back for a minute. I would make the argument that without long-term change, protests are a waste of time. Malcolm X once performed a famous speech called The Ballad of the Bullet. His point was that there are only two ways to demand change in America. If you protest and you don't follow it up with legislative change, man, you're just taking a walk in the park. You're just taking a walk in the park. By protesting, we are avoiding having to use the bullet. Because there's not much of a middle ground if our protests and our subsequent votes don't work. There's not much of a middle ground. Is he vote or bullet? Ballot or the bullet? Malcolm told us this years ago. The Montgomery bus boycotts of 1955 that were spawned by Rosa Parks, refusing to sit in the back of the bus, those boycotts went on for 382 days. Think about that. Over a year walking. They walked everywhere. And on the 382nd day, they were still ready to go. The only thing that stopped that boycott was the Supreme Court ruling that um, unequal treatment on public transportation was unconstitutional. That's the only reason they stopped. They'd still be boycotting today for all we know. So, these people were determined. On the other hand, the, the, the George Floyd protests have gone on for three weeks. And they already showed some promise with various bills in Congress. Some of these uh, bills prohibit chokeholds and, and call for national bad cop databases. Both of these proposals I just named, they sound like they should have been done a long time ago. So why haven't they been? Well, the truth is that up until now, Changing cop protocol as it relates to minorities has been very, very difficult. That difficulty has forced American citizens and victims of police brutality to seek other solutions than that old school community policing that we keep hearing about, you know, whatever that means, or just firing certain officers, because these solutions have not been seen as ones that work. 
And so the call has arisen to defund the police. This is a very generalized call. It needs to be explained. I feel the need to explain it because it is a call that I support. It sounds radical, but not to people who never call the police anywhere. Defund the police. It drives some wild visions of anarchy in the streets and people hiring warlords for protection like they do in Libya. But what does defund the police really mean? Before I get into the specifics of that call to defund the police, I want to get into why some people have been driven to this conclusion. Why has it been so hard to hold police accountable for egregious actions? Well, some of its posture. The police departments across the U.S. are real institutions that are set in their ways after decades of operation. What is the Brotherhood of Police known for in urban streets? Well, entitlement. Respect that only goes one way, from you to them. Abrasiveness. Arrogance. You want to see arrogance? Check this out. The police kill people in the streets when they know they're being taped. With cameras on their bodies. The police are beating on people attending a police brutality rally. Don't miss the irony there. The police are lying about actions of brutality that they have taken on camera. For example, uh, two cops prosecuted for pushing a 75-year-old man to the street in Buffalo, New York. The camera clearly shows the man being pushed to the street. What do they do? They release a report saying he fell. They know there's a camera. They see the video. They know we can see the video. But they claim in the police report, they openly lie in the police report with body cameras on and cameras everywhere. I'm afraid to jaywalk because I know there are cameras everywhere. These cops are literally breaking the law and lying about it. The only reason that can be the case is because there's systemic racism in the police department because the, the system allows it. It allows them to lie about something that you can plainly see as a lie by looking at a video. That's not arrogance. These are supposed to be the people that serve us. Even though, let me tell you, after, after these cops were prosecuted, they came out of the courtroom to applause from their fellow police officers. Even though they filed a crap police report saying that the man tripped on his own, you got to wonder, why are other cops cheering that? Would they have cheered me as a black man if I had pushed that white man down to the ground and turns out he has brain injury? Hey! Hey, let's cheer for the cop. The man has the 75-year-old man that he pushed down has brain injury. Would they would they be would, would the cops show up to the court to applaud me if I pushed down an elderly white man and, and caused brain injury? I don't, I don't think they would. I, I actually think I think they would show up to court and say something else. They would show up to court to, to support the man. This shows that many stations have developed a corrupt environment where the citizens are seen as the enemy. The people who pay their salaries are the enemy, and they have formed a brotherhood against us. Let me move on. I'm running out of time. They should call this the running out of time show. There are six general categories of reasons why it has been hard so far, despite all the protests, to hold police accountable for egregious actions. And I'm doing this in no particular order. And uh, thanks to the New York Times for providing some of this information. Internal affairs. That's the first reason why cops aren't held accountable. The, the police are often policing themselves in the first line of investigations. Now, while internal affairs organizations appear to be tough on cops on TV, 
they're actually partisan towards cops in real life. And without their recommendation, a case doesn't have much of a chance of going further. Number two, if you need me to go slower, just play the podcast over because we have 15 minutes left. Maybe I can get a couple of them extra minutes out of the station. We'll see. Civil service protections. All public employers are allowed to appeal their terminations, and appeals usually result in lesser punishments. Research suggests, research suggests that fired cops are reinstated 46% of the time as a result of these civil service appeals. Civilian review boards. I, I see a couple of my friends in New York, my old friends in New York watching right now. We are very familiar in New York City with civilian review boards. Civilian review boards, excuse me, it's a tongue twister. They emanate from the idea that non-police members should be the ones to judge cops. Now, that really sounds great, but most of the time, board recommendations are ignored. They're non-binding, they're toothless. Police stations can just ignore them. Civilian review boards frequently result in a case being delayed to death. Some research has suggested that on average, 12 cases of every 2,600 investigated by civilian review boards result in cop discipline. 12 out of every 2,600. Here's another reason, and this is a big one. Police unions. Police unions are set up to defend cop jobs at all costs no matter what they do. I often say that policing should never be a job that's unionized. I had this discussion with my Uber driver this morning. This is the big reason why police departments shouldn't be unionized. Unions are us versus them organizations. They're us versus them. One of my best friends is the head of a, a union down in Florida right now, 5,000 members he represents. Everybody who is a member of a union has an enemy, and that is management. Management is their enemy because management is always trying to reduce the wages and benefits of the workers. In a police union, the management is usually the mayor of the city, and he or she represents the people. So by proxy, the enemy becomes the citizen. Unions are also the ones who support rules that help cops cover crimes up. Like waiting periods, for example. If a cop shoots somebody, they get a waiting period before they have to answer any questions. Nobody else gets that. Nobody else has a union that will help them commit crimes. Hey, you robbed the bank. Hey, you know what? We're going to give you 36 hours before um, the cops get to question you on that bank robbery you just did, all right? Cool. Go home and figure out a story to tell them. Make sure it's tight. Call your friends up, blah, blah, blah. That's what they do. The police unions are allowed to do that. The waiting periods. Uh, no other union in the world can show an investigation, can slow an investigation into your crime for you, except a police union. The police union president in Minneapolis, where all this is happening, George Floyd, his name is Bob Crow. Let me give an example with one police union president. Union president Bob Crow is a diehard Trump supporter and campaigner who has already called George Floyd a violent criminal and has vowed to get the cops their jobs back. The ones that killed George Floyd, he wants their, their jobs back. Bob Crow has 29 complaints on his record as a police officer. That's 11 more than Derek Chauvin, George Floyd's killer. These, this is who cops want to be their leader. Clearly, a lot of wrong people are becoming cops. Another reason cops can't be held accountable, reasonable fear. There's tremendous difficulty in criminally convicting a cop. That's the truth. They're just on an ideal of reasonable fear. Any, if anyone can make the argument 
that a reasonable cop would have been fearful in that situation, the jury won't convict. That's a pretty low standard in a country that generally fears black people. Every cop is apparently fearful in those encounters. How do we know this? Because Derek Chauvin was the first cop to be charged with murder for killing a black man in the entire history of the state of Minnesota. The entire history. One last reason, um, I'm going to give this quickly, why it's hard to hold cops accountable is because something called qualified immunity. Lawyers are familiar with this concept. Qualified immunity, it's a legal doctrine. It seals all government officials from being sued for discretionary actions performed within their official capacity. Unless their actions violated clearly established behavior. Uh, in other words, cops have to clearly intend to murder you in order for them to be charged with your death. You have to clearly intend it. They have to have, a letter has to be written. Look, I will murder a black man tonight. They found that letter. It shows intent. Like, it can't be like what they usually charge with. It's a way lower, it's a way higher standard than they would charge you with murder with. You know, if, if, if it can still be seen in the bounds of their job, then they cannot be held accountable. It has been suggested to me that many citizens actually want cops to be tough on minorities out of fear. Out of fear. If this is the case, I hope that change is what I see coming. In addition, a break is what I see coming. Uh, I'm not going to play a song right now because I really need to get to this last part. I need to get to this last part about defunding the police. And I'm going to get right to the point because here we are again dealing with limited time. What does defund the police really mean? What does it actually mean? Well, there are some questionable motivations, some with questionable motivations, who say that defund the police means eradicate the police. Such that there are no police whatsoever anywhere. So that there is no answer to 911 when you call. This is not the case. There are no serious advocates for totally abolishing all law enforcement. That's ridiculous. What is the case is that more money does not necessarily reduce crime. That happens to be true. We see this not only in studies that can be found on the internet, hint, hint, I looked, but whenever there's a police strike or slowdown in cities like New York or Los Angeles, frequently the reported crime rate actually goes down. So once again, we know that more funding of police stations doesn't equal less crime. When I say support the funding of police, that means to reallocate funds that are going to the police towards some other entity to help pick up the slack that police are now responsible for. The, the people who say defund the police are really saying that the police are wearing too many hats in society. Too many hats. When people say defund the police, they are really saying we don't fund mental health, so when issues arise with the mentally ill, we send police, and that's not good. When people say defund the police, they are really saying private marriage counseling is expensive, so when domestic situations arise, we call the police, and that's not good. When people say defund the police, they are really saying traffic accidents don't really require a guy with a gun, do they? Why do police need to be the ones to write the reports? Can't somebody else work a breathalyzer test? Defund the police tells us that when your only tool is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. In truth, this is what many police officers themselves say. They are stressed. 
They really hate domestic violence calls because of how dangerous they are. The idea in defunding the police is, is that we are not only shifting funds from the police, but we are shifting responsibilities from the police towards institutions. Institutions that don't use guns, tear gas, and intimidation as a primary reason, uh, means of controlling people. Defunding the police means that the less cops are overused to cure the ills of society, the less opportunities exist for them to end up with their knee on someone's neck for eight minutes. That's what defund the police means. What does it look like? Well, we already know in some cases. For example, I have a sister who lives in a complex with private security. I also have a friend uh, who, who's been on the show before who lives in a gated community in Florida. If someone illegally parks in front of my friend's house, he doesn't call police. If my sister has a party and needs someone to be escorted from her home, she doesn't have to call police. They both have security guards that are paid to protect them on premises. On premises. This takes pressure, liability, and responsibility away from cops in the area in dealing with non-dangerous administrative nonsense. For example, here's, here's another example. How many parents in America have called police when they have lost control of a mentally challenged child only to have that child killed by the officer they called? That happens more times than you can imagine. What instead, what instead if officers had mental health professionals that were sent out to handle the situation? Or what about sending both of them? The funding the police actually sounds more radical than it is. It sounds radical unless you happen to be from the community being taken advantage of by the police. And if you believe that is not happening, then I strongly urge you to read the DOJ report on the Ferguson Police Department in Missouri as an example. And by the way, by the way, what else are we supposed to try? 20 years after the words community policing became the terms to go to, cops are shooting people in their own living room or while sleeping in their own beds. Where has so-called community policing gotten us? Did community policing stop a cop from kneeing a man's neck into the pavement? What is community policing anyway? Defund the police. The purse strings are where the control lies. Now, let's be clear. Defunding the police has been tried before. It happened in Camden. Once the murder capital of America, what they did to solve it was brilliant. They had a corrupt cop problem. And the police union made it impossible for the city to enact reforms. They had a lot of corrupt cops on the force in Camden. Cops that were stealing drugs from people, money, and stuff like that. Uh, possessing cars for stupid stuff. So they closed down one police department, the Camden City Police Department, and they formed another police department to replace it in the county. Then they hired the good cops from the now defunct city department, and they were able to escape union protections for the bad cops. It was brilliant. It was a way to clean shop legally without having the unions get involved and slow things down and stop progress, progressive change and stuff like that. Then the new Camden County Police Department were able to set new rules regarding what they expected of their new officers. And their results really paid off to the point where even the officers are happier now. 
There are interviews with the police chief of Camden County all over the internet about this. Camden is no longer the murder capital of the country, and the officers there have a much better reputation with the community. And by the way, by the way, defunding the police is already happening. It's already happening, dude. Mayor Eric Garcetti has already committed to reallocating money that was supposed to go to the Los Angeles Police Department to the tune of $150 million. Now, that's not enough for protesters. They want 90% of the money gone. I understand that. I get you. But it's still a lot of money, $150 million. Every police department in the country is used to having their budget increase, not decrease. So taking $150 million, it speaks, okay? Mayor de Blasio in New York City is doing something very similar. De Blasio has, filed, has vowed to cut the NYPD budget for the first time in history. Budgets are used to going up, not just police budgets. What's going on in Minnesota, where this whole thing with George Floyd started? Well, the mayor of Minneapolis is a good man named Jacob Frey, or maybe Jacob Fry. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. He doesn't believe in defunding the police, but his city council does believe in defunding the police. They do. And they have vowed to do so with or without his cooperation. We will see if this happens. We will see if this happens. But is this really a solution? We must remember that this may not be a complete solution to the problem. After all, many black men, many black men, Ahmaud Arbery, Trayvon Martin, many of these guys were not killed by police officers and probably would not have been killed if police officers were present on the scene. Trayvon and Ahmaud Arbery were killed by citizen vigilantes. Citizen vigilantes of the type that may feel emboldened in the streets when we start defunding the police. So this is not an answer for everything. Let's not pretend that it is. It does not help us if minorities are killed by vigilantes as opposed to police. But at least then, at least then, they won't be killed by the people they are paying to keep them safe. I'm out of town, people. I will see you all in two weeks. Really hope you enjoyed the Jamal show. I put a lot into it. Hope you get my message. Uh, I want to give thanks to all my listeners, the ones I see here on uh, Facebook Live and the ones on TuneIn and the ones in North Carolina and uh, Germany. And uh, Please make sure you check out the thejamalstore.com. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> thank you. Uh, let me just say the bishop and I thank you for joining us. Please check out thejamalstore.com. Check out tybless.com. We both could use your support. And do one more thing for me. This is the last piece of advice I have for you. Find a way to love each other. Jamal out.